show from a heavy metal perspective. From Danzig to death, to Dark Throne to Dr. Shrinker. Buckle up, things are about to get heavy. This is the Metal Podcast. Let's rock and roll. And welcome to another episode of the Metal Podcast, where we have our most exhilarating, exciting, and ambitious episode ever. I am your host, DJ, and I'm joined by my exquisite and most best friend, AC. How are you today? You know, I'm a bit under the weather, but what we have today, uh, I think... uh a sign, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Already some yeah. muddling here, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, a little foreshadowing here. But well, we well, said of ourselves. Who knows? Maybe they're they're trying to silence us. So yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I would like to preface what we're about to do because Absolutely. originally, what we had planned to do, because most of our episodes, what we do is we we find a a few articles and then we kind of we chat about them and we think like, oh, this would be fun, or like, oh, that's funny, like let's. Let's, uh, this would be fun to rake over the coals and we, and we just, we just, we just riff off of each other. That's, that's basically what we do. But for, for this episode, we actually did a lot of research. We were going to do this episode last week, but we decided we were, we were not prepared. We had way too much to look into, and this is probably going to be a multi-part series. And what originally we were going to do was something that I thought was funny was we were going to look into the conspiracy theories of why Jim Morrison actually never died and became Rush Limbaugh and why Jimi Hendrix never died and became Morgan Freeman. And what most people don't understand about a lot of these conspiracy theories, and we'll get into that a little bit, is... Their frame of reference for a conspiracy theorist, because most people don't actually know conspiracy theorists. They just see how they're portrayed on movies and TV shows. So they'll say, have you, have you ever noticed that, uh, uh, Bill Clinton and, uh, Abraham Lincoln have never been in the same room at the same time. Think about it. And that's, that's pretty much the regular person, uh, perspective is like, they just, they just think it's these, these random people that say crazy things, but there is actual evidence that goes into these claims. Not that I believe these two specific things that Jim Morrison and, uh, Jimi Hendrix Jimmy. never died and, and became famous media personas. But the, with these conspiracies, there are actual, it's, it's not so much that there is like smoking gun evidence for everything. A lot of it is circumstantial, but a lot of it isn't. Now, DJ, do you know where the term conspiracy theorist originated? I, I don't actually. I didn't so, think we were going here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's important to start this off. So the term conspiracy theorist became popular in the sixties. Well, not so much popular. Well, it was basically created for people that questioned the narrative around the Kennedy assassination. And they called those people conspiracy theorists. So the term conspiracy theorist 
was created by the CIA. And that's going to be the major crux of what we are doing here. <laughs> so that's no joke. No. And the, the, the reason that, uh, we, we, we trash this, this whole episode, cause normally what we do, it's, uh, just fun stuff. Like we, we, most of our episodes, if not all of them, they're done with, <laughs> with a little bit of levity. Like we, we are, we are having a, a fun time and we're just, we're just trying to, to joke around. And while looking into the silly Jim Morrison thing, I found something much deeper and that is just the origin of a lot of these bands. What a lot of people don't understand is most of these counterculture acts from the sixties all came from the same place. And on this show, the metal podcast, we don't talk about metal that often. I would say it's probably more than we think. Cause we seem to talk about rap the most. Yeah. But rap is the current culture of, of music. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is yeah. what is going on as far as what, what the kids are listening to. But once upon a time, the culture was shifted by music. And that really started in the sixties in a place called the Laurel Canyon, which is yes. an area in the Southern California, Los Angeles area. And that's where almost every sixties rock artist that you can think of, not all of them, <laughs> but almost all of them, they mm-hmm. originated in this area. And you hear a lot of these, these acts and you would think maybe because like their style of music, oh, they're from like Arkansas or West Virginia or uh, may, maybe even uh, like Montana Canada. <laughs> or Canada. <laughs> but almost all of them have they they either started or were formed in Los Angeles which seems weird and you might think like well a lot of musical acts or entertainment acts starts in Los Angeles well that's kind of the crux of it now the first thing that i do want to start with is jim morrison i remember like when we were in high school and you probably, maybe you, you don't remember it until I say it now, but there were kids in our high school that used to wear that Jim Morrison in American Poet shirt. Do you remember that shirt? Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, there was, there's one particular kid. I remember it. He was a year younger than us. He always wore that stupid shirt. <laughs> and I, I've always really not liked this type of 60s music. Like there are there are stuff from the sixties that I do like, but this stuff, it never sat well with me. I never really liked this, this hippie stuff, but that, that Jim Morrison, an American poet thing, no person in our, like no high schooler from our era of high school should be wearing that shirt. I understand that the, the, Oh, well you had to be there. I understand that feeling for a lot of things. Like I, I've heard people say to me for like, for my criticism of the black album, I've literally heard people say, well, I was there, man, which I get it at the time. That's your thing. But the doors 
the the doors lasted until I think 1973. Jim Morrison did he die? He died in um, 71 or 73. Yeah, let me take a look. 71. So they they weren't around for a long time. So this was this was in the you know the 2000s when someone would be wearing the shirt. Now I have some lyrics for for this is the end from an American poet. I'm not going to read the whole song, but here. Ride the snake, he's old, and his skin is cold. The West is the best. The West is the best. Get here, and we'll do the rest. The blue bus is calling us. The blue bus is calling us. Driver, where are you taking us? The killer awoke before dawn, put his boots on. He took a face from the ancient gallery, and he walked on down the hall. He went into the room where his sister lived, and then he paid a visit to his brother, and then he, he walked on down the hall, and, and he came to a door, and he looked inside, father, yes, son, I want to kill you, mother, I want to F you, come on, baby, come on, baby, take a chance with us, come on, baby, take a chance with us, come on, baby, take a chance with us. Now, I didn't go through the door's catalog and look for the worst lyrics for the worst song I could find. This is from This Is The End. This is a very famous Doors song. So it is my, uh, it is my hypothesis, and not just my own. Many people believe this, that the Laurel Canyon musical act, or the musical scene, rather, forgive me, under the weather, so not thinking so... Uh, clearly was entirely a CIA operation. And many people believe that uh, it is this, that, or whatever. We, the various theories don't really matter to me, but my theory is that like all music, it was intended to shape the culture. And this was a CIA operation to push hedonism and degeneracy. Now, a lot of people will believe that it was uh, pushed to make the, the, the potential anti-war movement into something toothless. Because if, if you look at a lot of these musical acts, they were quote-unquote anti-war musical acts. Now, this was something that you found in your findings, correct? Uh, yeah, I definitely did. Um... Yeah, it's interesting too. Going back to Jim Morrison, um, apparently he had a very short time of actually writing all of the songs. It happened all at once, um, and apparently he was unable to play any instruments. Uh, he had no experience singing. He, um, I guess, I mean, he couldn't even play the song. So it, it drives into question: Where did these songs come from? Um, and then it's interesting that the doors were pretty much pretty short lived. Um, yeah, you, based on how people dog (laughs) them up, you'd think that they had been around for like 20, 30 years. Like their first album out the gate was a huge smashing success. Mm -hmm. And apparently when they played live, they were just terrible. I've heard that too. (laughs) And, and with a lot of these Laurel Canyon bands, which we'll get into, um, 
Vito and his Freakers, if, if you ran into those. I did not, but group. I'm excited oh, to hear about that. Yes, Vito and the Freakers, very interesting folks, which were essentially the first hippies. Um, okay. <laughs> and they were they lived in Frank Zappa's home before it was his home, and he ended up taking over their troop. But hey, I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves. We'll we'll get into we'll Fido. get to Frank and <laughs> yeah. we'll get to Frank Zappa you know, as well. Yeah, exactly. But I also with uh, with Frank with uh, sorry with Jim Morrison and, mm-hmm. and bringing up the anti-war uh, aspect of all of these bands a really common thread among most of them is that they were the children of not just military personnel, but high ranking military personnel. Yeah. And this is a time during, you know, Vietnam. So, okay. AC, like everyone, you know, got drafted. Everyone was in Vietnam. So wouldn't it make sense that everyone's father or mother or brother or whatever uncle were in Vietnam, you know? So yeah. Devil's that, advocate. That doesn't sure. Make... Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. A lot of people. And also it was a, it was a different <laughs> time in our history where it was, kind time, of, it, it was kind of expected <laughs> that people from this era, you know, you just, you just do military service. Cause you know, it's the thing that a citizen does. So there's just exactly. more servicemen, but go on with, with, with your well, point. Well, 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 it's interesting with the hippies. You have this ragtag band of unwashed drug fueled, long hair, sporting flowers and peace symbols. Um, it's a lot easier to marginalize than say a bunch of respected college professors and their concerned students. So essentially the anti-war movement was already underway, um, before the first aspiring hippie even arrived at Laurel Canyon. Um, some theorize that the hippies were the end result of a plot by the CIA to neutralize the anti-war movement with LSD turning protesters into self-absorbed navel gazers. Now I've heard that too. And this is, and I push back on that theory. Okay. Uh, because I, I don't, I don't think that the, the, the anti-war movement was going to grow from the hippies, but I do believe that if you want to delegitimize a movement, you, you, you make it unlikable. Like, uh, from, from our time, the the closest thing that we had to something like this, as far as like an anti something was Occupy Wall Street. Mm. Now these were people that had a a genuine complaint and, and rightfully so, you know, there were bankers that were using our money as though it were their money. And when they lost it all, they got a bailout and, and we got stiffed with the bill. (laughs) <laughs> and then when they showed the people there, like you, you had people talking about native American rain dancers rights. Did, did you ever see that clip? The Stephen Colbert interviewing the person. It was a, a girl's like, I am a female bodied person. My name is ketchup. And it, and, and like, and <laughs> she was with, yeah. And <laughs> I then, don't think I saw this. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Now, Stephen Colbert is, is a, you know, pretty annoying, detestable human. But in this interview, he is actually very funny because he's, he's dealing with a crazy person and it was a different time. It it was a time where you would see these crazy people and it was okay to point and laugh where now these crazy people, these are the, you know, these are the, the unsung heroes of this generation, but it was, it was a, a pretty, pretty concise moment like this is when occupy wall street lost all legitimacy so if you have a bunch of uh women with unshaved uh, armpits Armpits. (laughs) and you have a bunch of men with terrible beards and bad clothing just doing uh doing drugs and just trying to 
to have as much uh, copulation as, as possible. Now, if you're a normal person with a little bit of, of war fatigue and you see that and you're just like, oh, geez, I, I maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should enlist. I don't know. So I do believe that, but I don't think that the hippie movement was there to deal or, um, to, to defang the anti-war movement. I think it was there to destroy a generation to turn, to turn these, these people from being like the, the respectable nuclear family into mm -hmm. these hedonists that just kind of wander around the world and try to find their place, man. Like the best economy in the history of the country turning into what we have now. It's all, it all led to this moment. It's all related. Yeah. And we lost the culture in the sixties and that it was described as the counterculture movement. And what were they countering? Well, well, cause you know, it's the rebel against the status quo. What was the status quo? Get a job, get a family. Oh, well, for men, you know, get a, get a wife, have a family for women, you know, have a, find a husband, have a family with them. So it, it turned quickly from the nuclear family to now you have a man and a woman working. So that's less children. And now because a man and a woman are both, they both have jobs. So now the cost of housing has doubled because you, you, you the, the market dictates what people can afford. So now it's no longer single income household. Well, now you have two people. Well, rent just doubled. Well, you can afford it. You got two people. So the culture was destroyed in the sixties. Now I want to go back to Jim Morrison's father. Yes. And contrary to what many people believe, and this is why I, I push back on the, this was made to, to, to quell the anti-war movement. Um, world war two was an extremely unpopular war. Now, based on how it's treated in this day and age, you'd think people were extremely gung ho about it and they couldn't wait to go overseas and, and fight the enemy. But the reality was people were really anti-war because they were coming off of world war one, which was extremely devastating to the country. It was really bad for the morale of the people and just the damage that people came back with. It was extremely unpopular. Now, after world war two was another war, which was Korea. And then now we're on Vietnam. So it's not like people were happy with war and we need to stop the anti-war movement. People don't want another war. Generally, most people are anti-war. Very rarely do people want to go fight wars. Now, if you watch Hollywood movies, you might think that, oh, look how much everybody is happy about war. Or maybe you see like senators in the vein of a John McCain that were just, we need to go bomb these people. It's like, well, these aren't actual people that experience any combat. These are people that want to send your children to fight. And most people understand that. Like, I don't want my son to fight in some pointless war. So George Stephen Morrison, he was a rear admiral 
Now he was, did, now did you know about this DJ? That he was the Admiral during the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Like he was on the ship where it happened. Did you know that? Um, before this, no, I knew that, you know, Jim Morrison's father was like an admiral in the Navy and was somehow connected to the Tonkin incident. I didn't know he was the guy that literally fabricated it essentially. <laughs> yes. And, and, and what, <laughs> what guy. most, and what most people don't know is most people don't know anything about Vietnam other than just, right. they know the memes of, of the, 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 oh, you baby killer. And, and, uh, you know, the, the deer hunter born on the 4th of July, full metal jacket, uh, what, yes. what, what's another, uh, platoon like that. That's what people know. They know the, the movies, the green berets. They don't, they don't know how Vietnam started. Now it started over an incident called the, the Gulf of Tonkin. Now, the Vietnam War didn't just start. It wasn't like America's like, let's go fight some Vietnamese people. And then a lot of, if you ask some people that seem like they have some rudimentary knowledge on the subject, they'll tell you, well, it was to stop the spread of communism via the domino effect. (laughs) But the Gulf of Tonkin was the incident that kicked off the entire Vietnam War. Now... In very recent times, and I don't mean, you know, in the last like year or so, you know, in the, in the last like 10, 20 years, the evidence has come out that this was a false flag staged by the United States slash CIA. And, and the false flag is a fake, a, a, a fake incident meant to blame another enemy to justify any kind of aggression or conflict for, you know, in layman's terms. Jim Morrison's father was the guy. He was the guy <laughs> who led that false flag. You know. One of the most iconic <laughs> singers in American history. His father, his father may have been the guy who started the Vietnam war. Now Literally. here's another, and here's another thing. Cause now DJ and I, we, we went off in separate directions. Like we, we started from, you know, like a, a few jumping off points and then we branched off in different areas and that's how we came to this. So I don't know what he knows or not. Now, did you know that Jim Morrison used to do army recruitment commercials? I didn't know that. Yes. So Jim Morrison, they, people like to paint Jim Morrison and Frank Zappa both as these kind of, well, you know, their dad, they were in the military, oh, but yeah. they, oh, he really hated his yeah. dad. Oh, yeah. You know, he was this anti-war revolutionary. Oh, yeah. Well, Jim Morrison was doing army recruitment ads hmm. and you could say, well, you know what? It, maybe he decided to be his own man. Well, he couldn't do anything as far as, as far as music like, as you said, he, he couldn't play any instruments. He could barely even sing. He couldn't write music. He couldn't write. Yeah, he couldn't write. Like, I, did, he, did, he, did he hum it in his head? He just hummed it for the people in the doors. All yeah. right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, write this. Go. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, yeah. Make a song out of that. All right. Let's light my fire. All right. Next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that, and that, and that's how oh. the doors started. No. Uh, <laughs> 
through his father's connections, he almost certainly had access to a, a, a media conglomerate that, al- that w- allowed him, a former, former army recruiter, essentially, he was rewarded by getting to be not just a rock star, but one of the defining rock stars of a generation. Now, um, gosh, I gotta, I gotta dig through my notes here, but there was a, there was a special effects studio in Laurel Canyon. Gotta find where I put that. I don't remember. It's on a lookout mountain, right? Lookout. Lookout mountain. Yes. Yes. So if if you want to, if you want to take the lead on, on that one, I, I forgot where I put that, but go ahead. Um, well, essentially Zappa lived on, uh, on, on the lag cat at the log cabin, which was at the heart of Laurel Canyon at the crossroads of Laurel Canyon Boulevard and lookout, uh, mountain. And that's where literally like every musician who passed through Laurel Canyon in the mid to late sixties would, um, go through there and not to get ahead of ourselves, but our, our friend Alice Cooper, as a matter of fact, was signed to, um, Zappa's label, but this, this lookout mountain, um, lookout mountain air force station. So yeah, it wasn't, force, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was specifically a, a military thing. Okay, and I got some notes on it. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. Cause it, it wasn't just like it's lookout station and, and maybe it's like, uh, an, uh, an orrery or something. No, it was specifically uh, a, a military a base. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was military led. Now this is a term that, we don't really hear too much. I used to hear about it all the time, like 10, 15, 20 years ago. I can't tell you the last time I heard this term military industrial complex. <laughs> no. Yeah. And you, you hear this a lot, uh, when you research <laughs> this movement and these Laurel Canyon yes. musicians, like what the heck? <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot of these people, they, they lived, uh, ar- around this, this military base, they're the children of military figures and, uh, they all form a band and within a, like within the year that they form, they not only have a record, like in addition to mm-hmm. a label, they, they are a smash hit, massive airplay, millions of albums sold a worldwide status. And they, they reshaped the culture. Cause you go from the fifties, like, you know, leave it to beaver to the sixties, long haired drugs, uh, sex, uh, rock and roll. Now, yeah. bef- now I want to do a little thought, ex- thought experiment, not really a thought experiment, more just kind of like a, well, I guess word association. So, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you something. Oh no, I'm bad at questions. You know, no, this, no, no. I'm no. ready for it. This, this, this. this, this one's okay. You, you can do this. One. <laughs> this one will be easy. I this, can do this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I believe in you. And this goes, this goes know. for, this goes for the audience as well. I, th- I think you can do this one. You've, you've had time to, to prep on it. All right. So, so just, just take, take a moment because I do want the audience to think about this too. So I'm going to ask you something, and you tell me what comes to mind, and, and I'm going to say. Now go, and that'll be your, your cue to say it. Yeah. Okay. Hippie. 
Now go. Smelly. Okay, that's fine. I'm glad that it was something. See, I knew you could do I had it. Time to, I had time to think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Smelly. It was something. <laughs> it was something. Yeah, yeah. You didn't freeze. Well done. <laughs> I knew you could do it. But to me, hippie, I think of peace and love. Not uh, okay. literally, but that was their, their slogan, peace and love. Now, what, what do you think the peace and love means? Because there is an power. answer. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, clearly you don't know, but that's okay. I won't fault you for it because it's, it's deeper than it, what it seems like, because you could say, well, it's at the height of the anti-war movement. So peace, meaning, you know, no, no fight and love. We just want to love each other. But the reality was the hippie movement was nothing but degeneracy. They didn't want to stop the war. They didn't really care. It was all about, it's, it's the, the same the same group that's doing like black lives matter or whatever stuff, uh, you know, climate change or like, uh, uh, legalize whatever this and that it's people that they get dopamine hits from other people saying you, yeah, yeah, you do it. You're fighting, you're fighting the power. So their whole thing is it's all about dopamine hits. So the piece that comes from, the tranquility or granted the, uh, the, the sedation of the drugs that they're on, either, whether it's the, the minor marijuana or it's more likely the LSD. And And it's funny with a a lot of these characters. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can comment on the LSD. The LSD. Well, a lot of these guys would refrain from, taking it like uh like Zappa Zappa. Or, Man- yep. or, or, or manson and yep. th- they'd have control over their people so not to, to right, no no that that yeah it. that's fine yeah but the love aspect wasn't actual love it was lust because they mm-hmm. they didn't want to find someone pair up love make family no because they're like oh we're all one big family no it's all one big orgy <laughs> So you can't love multiple people that aren't like in a romantic way. Like, you know, you can love your, your, uh, your spouse and your children and you know, your actual thing we've talked about. Exactly. It's all about pleasure. So the peace and love is a perversion of those actual words. It's sedation and lust is what they're actually after. They didn't want to end the war. They didn't even care. They were just (laughs) flying high. So the hippie movement was created by the children of, of military figures. Now I just want to throw a few other things out there. Um, so do you know the band America? Uh, do they do? We're an American band. No, not them. Okay. Then I don't know them. No, they do the, I've been, Riding down on the horse, no name. Just came in from the rain. You know that song? I don't think. I don't think so. Okay, horse with no name. It was a. It was a big song. Uh, It's featured in an episode of Breaking Bad. Oh. And the the guy who wrote it was a guy named Lee Merton uh, Bunnell. And he was born. Uh, to uh, an American serviceman stationed in the United States Air Force Base, RAF South Ruislip. So uh, that was uh, another another uh, military person. Uh, Jackson Brown, do you know Jackson Brown? Yeah, I know Jackson Brown. Okay, yes. So 
He was born in Germany, where his father, an American serviceman, was stationed for his job assignment with Stars and Stripes newspaper. He was part of the European Reconstruction after World War II. Hmm. You know, uh, I have the Lookout Mountain stuff in front of me if you want to go back to that about what it was. Well, sure, we can, we, we can go back to that. But just, just, I mean, these were just a few examples to basically say the hippie movement was created mm. by the children of military servicemen and and it 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 turned America from nice conservative uh hard working happy prosperous like nuclear families in into these uh, degenerate liberals with no direction and uh, no purpose other than seeking out pleasure and and for all those people that like to say like, well, people are happier because they're able to be themselves. People are not happier now and people are not able to be themselves. In fact, people are now what they're not. People are trying to be something other than what they are and what they're supposed to be are monogamous, uh, normal workers with happy families and in real life communities. And social circles. And the hippie movement destroyed that. And you could say, well, a lot of those people did have communities, but we're experiencing the fallout of that. That was what destroyed American society. Now we can go back to Lookout Mountain. (laughs) Because now that we've set up that premise, now Lookout Mountain was essentially a, a special effects studio that was like they like Hollywood special effects were developed in this military base, which is very yeah. interesting. But go on, go ahead with what you have. So this was, it was built in 1941 and it was originally envisioned as a fortified air defense center. Um, it was it was hidden from view and surrounded by an electrified fence. Um, and in 1947, it became a fully featured and fully operational movie studio. It had a hundred thousand square foot. Um, a, f- a hundred square feet of floor space. The covert studio included sound stages, screening rooms, uh, film processing labs, editing facilities, animation department, and 17 climate controlled film vaults. Uh, it also had a helicopter pad and a bomb shelter. Uh, over its lifetime, the studio produced some 19,000 classified motion pictures, more than all of Hollywood studios combined. Uh, so apparently Laurel Canyon is also the, uh, movie picture capital of the world. And there's also indications that Lookout Mountain Laboratory had an advanced research and development department that was on the cutting edge of new film technologies. Um, so it says that some Hollywood luminaries that were there, like John Ford, Jimmy Stewart, Howard Hawks, Ronald Reagan, Bing Crosby, Walt Disney, Hedda Hopper, and Marilyn Monroe were given clearance to work at the facility on undisclosed projects. I mean, this, I mean, honestly, we could do a whole show on just this place. Uh, we, could, we could just reform our podcast into talking about the hippie movement. I mean, there's so freaking much. Well, it's all connected. It's all connected. It's all, it's all connected. And and we'll, we'll get into that later and how it does circle into modern times because it does. It really does. It does. 
you'll yeah. you'll you'll all see. Like I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> blow your mind, but these are definitely things that you have never thought about because of how no. how American history has been framed. It yes. has been framed through the lens of fiction. Because <laughs> I mean, most people agree more. Most people's understanding of history really does come from movies and TV shows. And a lot of these, these musicians, they're the, they're the sons of military figures and they made it big in essentially Hollywood studios. Well, I'll even go a bit further because when you go through the the roster of these Laurel Canyon superstars, what you find more often than not is not only that they're sons and daughters of the military intelligence complex, industrial. but they're also industrial. Uh, they're also uh, many times the sons and daughters of extreme wealth and privilege, and oftentimes they're both rolled into one convenient package. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll get there. Well, I, I will. <laughs> but, I'll throw this out. So uh, allegedly. David Crosby oh, is a, who I was thinking of <laughs> is related to Alexander Hamilton. Um, well, he's related to a few more influential people than just that, but yeah, uh, uh more influential than Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton is the architect of the federal reserve. Now, for those well, of you who don't know, well, the he's, federal he's just reserve guy, yeah, the federal reserve is a private entity responsible for how all of our money is created and used. And Alexander Hamilton was the guy who created that. Now here, and, and I'll say this about Alexander Hamilton. Now, most people know Alexander Hamilton now as that guy from that, that hip and cool oh my gosh, musical. Yeah. yeah Hamilton. Oh, now, man. why is it that Alexander Hamilton didn't get the treatment that the other founding fathers get these days? Every founding father of America yep. is demonized and treated as this evil monster, but not Alexander Hamilton, but Alexander Hamilton is the one that, that basically said we should not be on a, a gold standard, but we should have one private entity basically own our country and have the country indebted to that. Now he is the only one that is uh that is heralded especially by the left mm -hmm. and he gets his own musical written by Lynn Manuel Miranda who is writing all the songs for all the the new Disney movies and right. he and and uh, David Crosby may be a descendant of Alexander Hamilton now what a lot of people don't understand is, uh, now this is probably something you've heard before. I don't know how much thought you put into it. All men are created equal. What does that mean to you? Uh, it's your God given right that no one's better than anyone else. Based on what? Your, your rights from God. <laughs> well, no, it does mean a very specific thing. Now what people think of when all men are created equal, well, that just means we're all the same. No matter what, no DJ is taller than me. So he has advantages over me for that. Therefore we're not equal we're not in that equal. sense, okay, I get that. but what it does mean is now DJ, he's the son of a Senator and I am the son of a cobbler. Our birth doesn't mean that he's better than, than me in that sense. It, it's, it's specifically 
on a class base, like a, all, that's what all men are created equal means. When like America was founded, it was basically saying, we're not going to have this monarchy thing. We're not going to have this royalty thing where if you're born into this family, <laughs> you're just better than other people. Granted, that has been perverted. And that is essentially thrown out the window at this point, as you can see with your own eyes currently in this day and age. But if there were still an American aristocracy, David Crosby 100% would be part of that. And we yeah, will he, get, we will get to him later. Okay. We can get to him later. Yeah. He would be like a Duke or a Prince or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, probably, yeah. like, it, like, it, like, uh, you know, if there is like, as many believe like a, a network of elite families that has shaped national and world events for a long time, then it's probably safe to say that David Crosby is a, a bloodline of that clan. And um. David Crosby <laughs> was still shaping that that group that movement yeah and yeah. he was a little older than the rest of them and, and also that. a lot of those people so crosby stills nash and young um mm -hmm. i believe neil young was canadian he was yeah and he has an interesting meetup story with stephen stills which is very interesting he did yes like a cross-country trip hoping he would find someone in in the city <laughs> <laughs> but they all, but again, they all met up in Los Angeles they, or, they, around they, the Laurel uh, Canyon. And they their, heated the Pied Piper. And their first album went number one in the chart. Well, before that, you had the Birds were the first band or, or the first band to release an album. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> you you want to wrap up on, uh, on um, Lookout Mountain? We can wrap that up. Yeah, because because um, yeah, because because the main thing with Lookout Mountain was it was a spent it was essentially it was a, a special effects studio yeah. ran by the military, and I would make the argument that the hippie movement, as far as the leaders, the 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 musicians involved, they were a special effect because I yeah. I I remain steadfast in my assertion that popular music is um, all astroturf. Yes. I think some of it every now and then it's, it's been a long time, but I, I think there were times when the, the music, it felt fresh and new and people gravitated towards it. And it probably was a result of just times changing. And I think the times changed because people forced it to, and you see a lot of people pining for the fifties now because that was when people really were happy. Do you know who William S. Burroughs is? Ah, uh, that sounds familiar. I William, he was, an, he was the author that wrote the book Naked Lunch and he shot his wife in the face. Oh, jeez. Now this was a guy, he, he was a, a, a homosexual heroin addict and naked lunch is basically about him going on a drug trip and having sex with anonymous men. Now oh, that's, wonderful. yeah. So the, the book isn't explicitly about that, but it, 
is based on the author doing that. Okay. And he was heralded as a, a, like a counterculture icon because the reality was in the fifties, everyone was miserable because no one was allowed to be who they really were. But the reality Mm -hmm. was everyone was allowed to be who they were, but people weren't allowed to be who they weren't. And that's where the change came in. And that's where these bands came in and basically told everyone to abandon your responsibilities and give in to hedonism. And you had the backing of the media telling people this because the, the, these bands, if, if you want, you don't have to play this music on the radio. There are plenty of other acts you could play. You could play, you know, the Ballad of the Green Berets, or you could still be playing Davy, Davy Crockett. You can, you can play all sorts of cheesy fun stuff. Lollipop, lollipop, oh, lolly, lolly, lolly. There was plenty of stuff that the kids were into. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have these people and they're, they're writing songs that are just as cheesy, but they themselves are spreading the message. This was the first time that the artist superseded the art. So you have these people basically saying, this is what we want you to think. And it's not that their songs reflected that, like, you know, you could say, uh, well, uh, the doors have the unknown soldier. That's an anti-war song, I guess. But is, is break on through to the other side or light my fire? Like, are these, are these anti-war songs? Uh, writers, you- writers on the storm. Is, is that an anti-war song? And did they ever just come out and, you know, uh, condemn <laughs> the war? I think Jim Morrison would often say his parents were dead. And it's like, oh, well, he just hated his father, you know. Well, abracadabra. You do if you don't, don't want to, <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to talk, talk about your dad or someone you don't like, you just say they're dead. Then no one asks questions. Yeah. You don't want to talk about, about and, the guy who started the Vietnam war. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also gave you your career because here's exactly. the thing back then there was no Wikipedia. Like, Oh, let me look up Jim Morrison's. No, it says right here. I looked up on my, on my iPhone X. Uh, it says that Jim Morrison's dad's still alive. Jim Morrison, you're lying. No, back then, you know, you take your word for it and you look up to these people. You, you know, you see the, this person who does the song that you like, that everyone says is so cool. Well, I want to, I want to think like that person, you know, this is the, this is the warlord. This is their warlord. This was, this was like the, this was a a big thing. And we had not really seen anything like this before. This genuinely was a cultural phenomenon. That's why like the, the boomers look so fondly on Woodstock because it was a thing where they all were there. You know, granted, they were all there doing drugs and, and having, you know, anonymous sex. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote, um, one of your favorite movies with well, definitely your, oh, your favorite movie series. <laughs> uh, what movie am I about to quote? Probably Austin Powers. It's Austin Powers. <laughs> it, it's, it's from the first one <laughs> when, when, uh, Miss Kensington says to him, well, you know, Austin times have changed. And he says, well, as long as people are 
having anonymous oh, sex yeah. with various partners <laughs> while experimenting with various mind-altering drugs, I'll be sound <laughs> as a pound. <laughs> like that that's that's basically that's that all, was the time matters <laughs> yeah that was what they were doing like it, and they were all together doing it so like you know like someone gets drunk alone like that's sad mm-hmm. but like you're at a bar with all your friends like cheers like sometimes you want to go where everybody knows <laughs> you na- like oh that's just a good time like it doesn't you know you know you'll <laughs> yes that's that's a line from the show <laughs> You did it. I know stuff. You do. Well done. <laughs> but they convinced an entire generation that this was like, this was the thing to do. Like we went yeah. from reefer madness, which, you know, is, is silly in its own right, but they went from having reefer madness to just a, an entire generation just doing acid and having anonymous sex. And this is probably where, well, I guess what we could call slut culture was born. Ooh, I, I, I heard everyone. A, yeah. I heard a girl say, <laughs> uh, recently she was talking about a coworker. She said she's in her slut phase. Now she wasn't saying this to <laughs> chastise her. Yeah. She wasn't saying this to chastise her like this, like that's just a normal thing. Uh, like remember like slut used to be a brutal slur yeah it's like oh every girl's got to experience those slutty college years you know it's like that from that bridesmaids movie i remember that quote (laughs) i i haven't Uh, seen that movie you haven't i've I've seen parts of it i saw one thing like well there is there is a wilson phillips song in that movie oh 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 wait, little foreshadowing. You there. Are, uh, we'll get to the oh, we'll, we'll get we, to we, that. We're we not will ready get to there. the yeah. The mamas <laughs> and the papas is another thing. There, yeah. There's just I'll there's be the mama. You be the papa. Yeah. There's <laughs> there's yeah. There and there's a there's lot. A good, oh, there's a lot. There's so a lot with much. David Crosby. There's a lot with yeah. Graham we'll, we'll get there's yeah. a lot with 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 all these people. There's a lot with Houdini's involved with this. Yeah. Did you yeah. get with the Houdini stuff? I did not. <laughs> yeah. Three now, when Houdini. you now when you say Houdini, do you mean Harry Houdini or do you mean the yeah. the short lived rapper from the eighties? No, 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 Harry Houdini. Okay, uh, okay. born in Hungary to uh, a rabbi father, apparently, or something. Oh, okay, all right. But, yeah, it's very interesting. 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 Yeah. Well, apparently, he, apparently, he was a super spy, and he would be uh, assassinating people instead of uh, doing magic. But, anyways, that's that's neither. Here Abracadabra! Nor I will make this political <laughs> adversary disappear. <laughs> but to, to to wrap up on on this point is yes. that they they genuinely turned a a normal society into a broken society because shortly after this we have the rise in homelessness and most most homeless people are drug addicts or they're crazy or hippies well, I would say hippies are drug addicts and crazy <laughs> as a result of the drugs they were addicted to. <sighs> and then we have, and we now have a lot of single mothers, mm-hmm. which, which leads to a rise in crime. And it all came from essentially the CIA and the military industrial complex taking a few of their children and using media connections to 
to uh, create a huge mm, cistern in society where it just, it just split normalcy open. Now, from what I heard is there was genuinely an anti-war movement in the sixties and it was normal looking people and they did have hippies come in and it did make people not want to be involved in in any anti-war movement. So you had something that was already like a natural thing because people naturally don't want to fight wars, especially the, like almost every war that's been fought is it has been fought under false pretenses. Mm. Like there, there, you know, I'm sure there's been, there's been some exceptions, but for the most part, like, can, do you know what world war one was fought over? Wasn't it like Franz Ferdinand or, or the sinking of the Lusitania? Or is that what technically apparently the, well, the sinking of the Lusitania, the Lusitania is what got the United States involved, mm. but that's also, uh, do you know the story of the Lusitania sinking? <laughs> Not really. Okay. So, so that was something that, um, the, the, I think it was, I believe it was the Germans. They, they said, don't send this ship over because you're, you're bringing arms into this conflict and you're not allowed to bring weapons in. Mm. And they sank the ship, but oh no, it was full of civilians. So the (laughs) Germans sank this civilian ship. So the United States has to jump in because Germany committed an act of war. Turns out the ship was actually full of ammunition and weapons. And they Mm. lied about it being a civilian freighter to illegally jump into world war one. But yes, so it was, it was started over the assassination of, of Archduke Franz Ferdinand but is that what made the whole world go into war? I don't even know what World <laughs> War One was fought over, but I do know that the leaders of all the European countries that were in conflict were all blood relatives. All of them. That's yeah. It's like it's it's the same people. It is it's the same people everywhere. It, they're they're everywhere. Yeah, it, it it really is, and it's the same people. It, yes, it, the, the the same. It really is. Like I'm sorry like, if you if you don't want to hear this, but this is the truth. The world is ran by people, and it's not like it, it's not like nobody is in control. No, there there is a group of people that are in charge. The same names keep coming up. The same. The fam, the same families keep shaking each other's hands. They keep working together and they're the children of their generals and, and usually literal generals are the ones that are in control of the culture. That's what you have. You have these, these people that are in power deciding how the world is ran. And then their underlings uh, are, are making sure, you know, their houses are cleaned and the children of them are the ones that are making your music. They're the ones that are producing your TV shows. That's, that's how it works is it's not like, you know, if you want to work hard and you want to be a record executive one day, you won't, you won't (laughs) maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you have a, a, like a, a real good ear for spotting talent. Um, they'll just use their media connections to make sure that 
your music's never played. Like I showed DJ uh, uh, a day or two ago, the the new, I mean, it wasn't exactly the new video by Cardi B and Megan the Stallion. It was a bunch of people laughing at how ridiculous it was. <laughs> but that that's it's the their lyrics are it's just it's just I, pornography I, at this point yeah and, and then the lyrics i think cardi b says like oh uh tight like a nun and yeah that's where i have i had the biggest problem with that i lyrics. did too it, i did too because because it's not tight like a nun it's toy like a toyger you don't exactly. screw that up exactly. you don't screw that up oh, it's not offensive exactly yeah D- D- dj has one about that <laughs> he has one rule is if you have the opportunity to quote austin powers you do it yes. and anyone that yeah. doesn't they've they're breaking the cardinal sin yeah yeah so no, uh, unacceptable yeah so the the whole laurel canyon music scene was a special effect and right now lookout mountain is owned by Hollywood actor Jared Leto. (laughs) A normal person did not get this. Now, Jared Leto isn't just a Hollywood actor. He is a literal cult leader. Mm. It's surprising that that home hasn't been burnt down because if you look into these homes, uh, I thought I was reading a murder mystery too. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, oh, he suicided himself, or uh, there's another murder-suicide. They're, they're oh, like David Crosby's themselves. girlfriend, who was also <laughs> the son, or sorry, that was the daughter of a military leader? Yeah, there's been a few. <laughs> yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of mysterious deaths, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, houses bring, being burnt down. But yeah, I think that's interesting that Lookout Mountain <laughs> survived. Well, uh, that's maybe, an important uh, one. Uh, yeah, that's, goodness yeah they, and they needed to these keep movies sta- these movie stars are involved because you had the young turks uh who are another big reason why these bands got off the ground is because you had and not like to be nicholson dancing not, not not to be confused with the young turks uh news network In of Turkey. today oh yeah yes oh. not not to be not, confused not with ben mankowitz and, yes. and chank uger <laughs> different young turks thing? yeah yes the original young turk yes yes the original and familiar people like uh you know jane fonda oh but yeah we'll hanoi jane yes <laughs> now I, I i think right now what we will do we we will we will go to break now what what we're what we're doing today we're doing something different because yes. normally what we do and we still do encourage this we, we encourage artists like if you want your your song heard because the, these big labels they are designed in a specific way and sure you know there's the century media and there's nuclear blasts or there's there are people that are still putting out metal and they're giving them a little bit of promotion but they're not going to take you to the top of the charts like they did in yesteryear it's it's never going to happen again and it's because the whole music industry is fake and you are just a paycheck to them at best. So we want to make our own parallel society where like actual people that like music and not people that like being told what to like. So, you know, send in your, your, your stuff. Like we will play it. We are happy to do it. But today, because we're doing something different, we're going to play a song that I really like. This is a song (laughs) by a man named David Koresh. Maybe you've heard of him. But yes, on the map. Yep. He, he sure did. (laughs) 
Now, this is a song called Madman Living in Waco. Now, it's not about himself. It is about something else, but this is a, a very, very epic 80s sounding song. And I, I think it is, it is appropriate because this was another uh, musician, if you would, but he mm-hmm. was not a, uh, an astroturfed musician. This was a guy who was the opposite, where he was railroaded and his name was dragged through the mud and they told lies about him to protect the CIA, ATF, FBI, mm-hmm. and the military industrial complex. This guy was killed because he didn't want to be part of a society that he found to be reprehensible. Now, sure, he was, had his own problems in his own way, but all the stories told about him, almost all of them, were lies perpetuated by the same people that destroyed your country and they the used same media, the same people. So this is Madman Living in Waco by David Kresh. And don't go away. We will be back with more Laurel Canyon.
All right, and we are back. Hope you enjoyed that one. And just to cap off the Jim Morrison, I, I figure um, it's really interesting. And the way I'm going to cap it off is talk about Frank Zappa's wife, Gail Zappa, who is known formally as Adelaide Slotman. Uh, Gail hails from a long line of naval officers. Her father spent his life working on classified nuclear weapons research for the Navy. Gail had attended a naval kindergarten with someone familiar named Jim Morrison. It is claimed that as a ch- as a, as children, Gail once hit Jim over the head with a hammer. The very same Jim Morrison that uh, later attended the same Alexandria, Virginia high school as two other future Laurel Canyon luminaries, John Phillips and Cass Elliott. Um, but back to to Zappa. <laughs> He had an interesting uh, manager named Herb Cohen, and he was a former U.S. Marine and spent several, a uh, few years traveling the world before his arrival in Laurel Canyon. Those travels had taken him to the Congo in 1961. At the very time, uh, Prime Minister Patrice Lumumba was being tortured and killed by our very own CIA. Zappa biographers say that Cohen wasn't in the Congo um, on some nefarious intelligence mission. He was there to supply arms to Lumumba in defiance of the CIA. So I thought uh, that was kind of an interesting kind of segue there uh, to cap that off. But yeah, uh, thank Zappa's wife knew Jim Morrison in kindergarten. So it's the same people. Yep. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then they knew. And. Where where is this Alexandria Ooh. High School? Where where is that located? <laughs> it's not in California. Not in California, <laughs> you say? Oh, but it somehow might be close all, to DC. <laughs> okay, but somehow all these people. Yes, oh wait, wait, yes. DC, you say? Huh? Oh, what is is, the is is there any, anything interesting happened in <laughs> DC? I don't know if there's some intelligence going on. <laughs> ah, ah, but we probably shouldn't think too there's hard a, on that. But somehow, thing. Yeah, but yeah. somehow, all Just these people it. ended up in Los Angeles playing music yeah. together. Huh? Well, going to small world, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of military schools is where these people grew up too. Yeah, it's strange, funny. strange, strange. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's coincidental. It's a lot of serendipity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in this story. Kind of, kind of. Wait, hold on, hold that. on. It's kind of herb coincidental. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's your pun for the episode. There, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Oh, but back good. to Frank Zapper. Zapper. So I want to say this about Frank Zappa. Do, do you like any songs by The Doors? Just you know, be honest. Um, you know what? I actually re-listened to a lot of like these bands we were talking about, and The Doors actually were a little better than like most of the bands that I've uh, yeah. on. Yeah, which I, isn't I, saying I, yeah. much. Sure, but, I agree. But, but yeah, the, the Doors have some pretty solid songs. Like the Roadhouse Blues, I think, is, is a good song. I do like People Are Strange. They have a lot of songs that are just kind of weird, but for the most part, a lot of these songs by these bands are extremely cheesy, mm-hmm. and they're really, like, radio-friendly. Like, they're not, like, when you think hippie oh. music, you might think, like, bands like Fish where they're just really annoying jams. But Frank Zappa's music is not that at all. It is very, I would call this type of music really inaccessible because you you could take something like, um, uh, the go-go's is a good example. Vacation. I ever want it like super accessible, 
super cheesy music where like I, you can see someone kind of nodding their head and kind of bouncing their hips to it where, and, and a lot of the sixties Laurel Canyon acts do fall into that, but Frank Zappa definitely does not. Frank Zappa, I would say is almost ahead of his time as far as the music that he was playing where I, I kind of shocked, but in, in, you know, after doing all this, uh, this research, not so much, but if I were like a complete oblivious buffoon with, uh, <laughs> no, uh, understanding of what's going on at all, I would be very shocked that Frank Zappa was popular amongst all these musical acts. Well, you could kind of say the same for all of them, but it, essentially it was a big part, uh, doing part to the Vito and his freakers. <laughs> these, he had a group of 35 dancers, but like I said, we'll, we'll get into him later, but they would, More what they would do example. is really, they would, they would distract you from, from what was going on on stage. So you're talking about, you're talking about Vito and his freak, you're Vito talking about freakers. his freakers, right? Yeah. He had a, a dance group crew of like 35 people i hate that so this is like the precursor <laughs> to burning man it, yes <laughs> yes which i also don't like if that i that may be a shock for many of you in the audience listening but yes i uh, i am not a fan of burning man and their culture but I'll, i want to get back to frank zappa yeah. Because one thing that you did leave, leave out about Frank Zappa, which, you know, not that you weren't going to get into it, was who Frank Zappa's father was. <laughs> yeah. Now, Would what? he by chance have uh, connections to the military industrial complex, I wonder? Now, I believe Frank Zappa's father worked for the Department of Defense. Oh, that's funny. Yes, um. Uh, uh, he he worked at the Edgewood Arsenal Chemical Warfare Facility <laughs> of the Aberdeen Proving Ground, ran by the U.S. Army. That seemed like a good place to uh, to grow up. Yeah, well, and uh, apparently uh, this had some kind of effect on Frank Zappa, which caused him to be frequently ill when he was a kid. Who knows? I've heard that. Yeah, I mean it's possible. Uh, I actually don't know how. And Frank is that Zappa in is, is is Edgewood in uh, in California? No, I, 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 now Frank Zappa. <laughs> I take a look here. Uh, uh, it says he's from Baltimore. Let's see where Edgewood Arsenal is. Mm. Believe that would. Oh, uh, that's a, that looks like that's in Maryland, which somehow you know, that. not not in <laughs> not in California. No, not even on the same coast. And no, not even. And it's also in, not not in, you know, near D.C. I mean, technically it is near D.C., but it's it's right. still, these people, they're, they all somehow seem to find each other. And and it's also interesting that Edgewood, um, it's, it's not only the longtime home of America's chemical warfare program, but it's also the facility that is cited as being deeply um, enmeshed in MK Ultra operations. MK Ultra, you know, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I would, I, 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 I kind of want to skip ahead, but I'm okay. not going to. No, because, yeah, we'll get but, to that. But everyone, you know, <laughs> keep keep MK Ultra, keep yes. that in your mind. 
And I guess Frank Zappa as well. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll stick with Frank Zappa for a bit before okay. before we we migrate. Um, and then he lived the first seven years of his life in that uh, military housing on the grounds of Edgewood uh, Arsenal near Baltimore, Florida. And then uh, the family later moved to Lancaster, California, near Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, and that's where his father, Francis Zappa, continued to busy himself doing classified work for the military industrial complex. Now your turn. <laughs> well, the one thing about Frank Zappa, and th- this is not really a secret, and mo- most people do kind of know this, is Frank Zappa was not a recreational drug user. Right. But one thing that he was staunchly in favor of was the decriminalization and uh, deregulation of uh, recreational drugs. So he didn't use it. But he didn't mind if you used it. So he, yeah, he was just a a straight up political advocate or sorry, political activist, Mm -hmm. like uh, another person who was kind of martyred and heralded as a voice of his generation, one Tupac Shakur. So (laughs) Frank Zappa was a critic of mainstream education and organized religion. Now that has a different connotation than it than these days where now I'm a pretty strident critic of mainstream education, but only because they no longer teach children critical thinking. They don't now teach education. <laughs> they don't yeah, exactly. They teach the opposite. They teach emotional <laughs> reaction. Oh crap. <laughs> but when he was a, uh, a critic of this at the time, education was education. So mm-hmm. there were these, these, all these people got together and they started chipping away at civilized society, turning it into the planet of the apes madhouse that we live in today. So he, yeah, he was a, an advocate Thanks, for freedom. Zappa. Yes. Well, see, here's the thing. <laughs> and he was an advocate for freedom of and speech Francis. <laughs> and for especially Francis, his father. Well, oh yeah, not to jump too ahead, but, uh, he will join forces in some sense to our, our friend, uh, <laughs> John Denver, who's actually involved in this too, with the 1985 uh, PMRC, where they both, you know, uh, talked which, in front of Congress. But yeah, not to which get also, <laughs> which also, we have an episode on which yeah, we were yeah. in favor of the PMRC. Oh, that was episode six. This, we should, down we the have drain to, to revisit. <laughs> yeah, if you know, if you want episode six down the drain. <laughs> episode six down the drain, where we. We were advocates for the PMRC and, and this is the thing with freedom of speech because the freedom of speech that he's talking about is pretty much when you see the, these type of figures, when they say like, I'm in favor of freedom of speech. Now he's not in favor of, of say someone, you know, saying right-wing speech. What he's in favor of is the new Cardi B song where she's not toy like a toyger. She's saying, she's saying, she's saying, yeah, other horrible things. That's the speech that he's in favor of. They're, they're, they're basically like, like peace and love is actually, um, sedation, sedation and lust. Freedom of speech is freedom of vulgarity because there, there used to be obscenity laws. Now you want to know who was arrested for obscenity? Or do you know the, the comedian that was arrested multiple times for obscenity? Was it George Carlin? But I was going to say, it was another one. Out of, 
Uh, Babe Ruth got kicked out of baseball games in like the twenties for swearing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that, that's where we've come from, but no, um, it was Lenny Bruce. Uh, Okay. And when Lenny Bruce died, he allegedly left his possessions to Frank Zappa. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. So this freedom of speech is literally the freedom of vulgarity. So you, you gonna, have, well, hold on before you, before you okay, go, go on. So the, these people, they're, they're, they're these, the freedom of speech activists and the, the, these, these political activists, what they are really advocating for is the destruction of order. These are what you might call agents of chaos. We had a society We no longer have a society. America Mm -hmm. is pretty much just a means for wealthy people to make money off of the little people. You are supposed to go to work, work uh, an unfulfilling job, live in confined quarters, make a meager wage, get taxed the rest of it, and uh, maybe when you're 70, you can pay (laughs) off a house. And then, uh, you had, loans. <laughs> and because you had no children, cause you were always working uh, that you leave the house to the bank and then they can sell it to new workers that are here to replace you. That's an and endless it, cycle. <laughs> and it was because of people like him, because they're not, they're not advocates for liberating people. They're advocates for the removal of order. Because what they were critical of was an ordered society. Because it's not like in the 50s, people were constantly killing themselves because of depression. You know, they, they, it's, I mean, they certainly had money. So it's not like they needed more rights so they could make money and work. No, we had a society. And then these people came along, these children of military figures. And they told everyone, oh, by the way, your society sucks. We need to change it. And they, and here, take these mind altering drugs. If you, <laughs> if, if you don't believe me, take these mind altering drugs and then you'll see my point of view. And then people went along with the complete restructuring of America. Now go on. That was the end of my point. Well, I was going to add to your vulgarity part because. Add to uh, your vulgarity. (laughs) This is your vulgarity. No, uh, with Zappa, uh, his daughter, Moon. What was her name? Moon, Moon unit. Moon units. Isn't that a man? Uh, it says Frank's daughter, oh, no. Moon. Oh, no, I guess Moon. I always uh, thought Moon no. Unit was a woman <laughs> or was a man because yeah. because of the name Moon Unit. I guess that's a daughter because he has a, a, a daughter yeah, named a, Diva. But I guess, yeah, D- Moon yeah. Unit. So, so Moon recalls men with straggling beards, body odor, and bad posture who crouched naked near her playthings. Uh, also, the Zappa children watched porn with their parents and were encouraged in their own sexuality as soon as they reached puberty. Um, when they became teenagers, 
Gail insisted, that's Frank Zappa's wife, Gail insisted that they shower with their overnight guests in order to conserve water. Like, these are the people. <laughs> these are the people that are telling you that your society has a problem and needs to be changed. Yes. And, yes, you're the, and the baby boomer generation went along with it. Now, but if you're a baby yeah. boomer listening, say, I didn't go along with it. It doesn't matter if you specifically didn't because the people around you not only did. Once upon a time, people used to, to per, I, and I use that term a lot. Forgive me if I do, but we used to have like um, who uh, Dan Quayle. He he mm. proudly proclaimed, like I from the baby boomer generation. We fought for blah blah blah, and he was out there criticizing Murphy Brown for being a single mother on television. And then now the term baby boomer has almost become a slur. Mm. Like people are really, um, like they don't, they, cause they know that when, when younger people talk about baby boomers, they know that there's going to be a negative connotation associated with it. And it's because they did go along with a lot of this. Like grant, granted, you could say what, with, with some of these people, well, uh, well, like, what do you, what do you do? Like a lot of these bills, they weren't voted on by the public and, and, they was just passed, but the, the, the country just, it went under these people's noses because the people that could have done anything about it, that could have pushed back, that could have demanded that their representatives don't change every single thing about America. Cause America is essentially a, a third world country at this point, like 70% live paycheck to paycheck. Suicide rate is extremely high. And crime rate is high. Um, like all the wealth is, is among, you know, it's among the top 1% One have all the wealth. I mean, that, that, I mean, that, that is, that is true. But, um, the, these people, they were under uh, a drug filled haze and then they were just engaged in this rock and roll. And they were part of these movements that made them feel important. Like that, that was the real war that they They're fought. Really that, doing something. Like the, the, the quote unquote greatest generation, you know, they fought world war two. So this really was the baby boomers war was, was kind of the, the culture war, but what they were fighting against was order. And I will, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. They didn't realize this was going to happen. Cause this is one of those classic cases of, well, you know, hindsight is 2020. Sure. Cause a lot of the stuff that they were told, like, this is this is what we're proposing and this is what's going to happen was the opposite of what actually happened. And the people in power knew what was going to happen. And like you, you tell 18 year olds may legally be adults, but they're basically still children mentally. Like when we yeah, were 18, not, we were not, not smart. smart. Yeah. Like no. maybe, maybe we were, <laughs> maybe we were smarter than other 18 year olds, but still like 18 year old me was not, yeah, exactly. Real dumb. Hey. So dumb. Tell you, yeah. The dumbest. Yeah. I don't even dumb. know how dumb I can be. <laughs> yeah, we were basically Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Ahead of our time, after the time. Yeah. <laughs> and and this this is all the result of these people. And it's it's crazy. So like Frank Zappa is he's not doing drugs, but I would make the argument that pornography is a drug. Oh yeah. So like he's encouraging his children to, to do this kind of drug. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it stimulates the brain. I think it has a similar effect on the brain that heroin does. Yeah. I, I, think, I yeah, I, I think we've talked a little bit about that before, how the pornography industry, it's free, it should make you think about it, and that it gives you a dopamine release that is like the equivalent of like shooting heroin straight into your veins. So it should give you something to think about. <laughs> and this guy is is watching it with his children. Children. Oh, go take shower with the guests. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and Zappa was living like a semi-communal life. Like that it was like a lot of people were there because like I've, I've, I keep talking about these freakers, these people, but Vito uh, Palekas and Carl uh, Franzoni had these 35 uh, dancers or whatever and were living in the house Zappa uh, lived in. Uh, once they moved out, Zappa took over that community and became like the father of Laurel Canyon. <clears throat> so it's just very interesting. And even uh, Gail Zappa once candidly admitted that uh, even at her husband's shows, as Zappa shows, the real attraction was not uh, on the stage. It was the customers that came to see the freaks dance. And nobody ever talks about that, but that was the case. Um, and I and I believe that because, like, Frank like Zappa... Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, because here's the thing. Like, uh, have you ever listened to, like, Ingy Malmsteen or Steve Vai? Like, you know, those guitar virtuosos? Oh, yeah. Do, do you like it? Like, do you want to sit down and listen to it? not really like i respect it i guess exactly it's usually like not like it's it's just weird beats and timing it doesn't go together it's an acquired taste yeah for like that like you have to have a a real deep appreciation for music to listen to it because it's not meant for the regular person to, to listen like let's let's go down to the uh like buckethead is a good example okay where Like great musicians they may be, but it's really inaccessible music. It's it's like the the equivalent of like watching art films. Okay. Like you like <laughs> you you know you you want to watch like Die Hard, and then there and then instead you have like thirty five minutes of like a lamp like dimming, where like mm. you're looking at it and you just say like, I don't get it. And then someone else is like, wow, this is like so deep. And uh, it's like, it's so. The camera angles are so good. (laughs) It's so emotional and it's so impactful when you're just like, it's a lamp. And and that's what a lot of the Frank Zappa stuff is. And I, I believe that you have these weirdos. They just go like, I want to see the other weirdos. And they're not too big on Frank Zappa's music because they probably don't get it. And I, I know, I know like people have said this about, have you ever seen the wall? The Pink Floyd movie? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. Like, they say, oh, you have to be on drugs to get it. Like, I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think drugs make anything make sense. I think it makes you more complicit with things that you, um, you don't It neutralizes get. you, right? Yeah, Not like, like you don't get it, <laughs> but instead you're on drugs, so you don't care that you don't get it. So I don't think like Frank Zappa is like, if you're on drugs, you get his music. No, I think you just have to have an appreciation for musicianship because he can, he plays music very well. Well, not anymore because he's dead. dead. Yeah. Actually dead. Yeah. Actually dead. Unlike Jim Morrison's father at the time. Well, I'm, but yes, Jim Morrison's father is now dead, but, um, people coming to see Frank Zappa's, his, his weird freaks. (laughs) <laughs> because yes. they probably didn't get his music, but do, do, do go on more. If you want to, you want to continue 
down the road of veto. Yeah, and it's interesting. So this guy was uh, like like a sculptor. I'll actually get back to Vito. I want to talk about Carl Franzoni, which, which was like his sidekick. So yeah, 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 yeah. More, uh, just Vito and the Freakers. So he's one of yeah, the Freakers. Yeah, the Freakers. So Carl Franzoni, his mother was a countess, and his father was a stone carver from Rutland, Vermont. Uh, the family was brought Vermont. from Italy. Now, now Vermont, is that in <laughs> California? Is that Vermont? Is that part think. of L.A.? I don't think so. Okay, no, no. okay. Just check. No, I think that's the state of the East Coast. But anyways, the family was brought from Italy, from the quarries in the northern part of Italy, to cut the stone for the monuments of the United States. <laughs> so that makes his ancestors, it stands to be reason, uh, of considerable importance of the ma- uh, Masonic community uh, uh now are these are these <laughs> of this masonic community now are these ones that you pay for or is this like a free type uh let's see it might deal with uh uh coming over here from italy in the early 1800s to carve uh the masonic monuments of washington so i don't know i, I don't think it's like going to costco and you know paying some money to get into okay um, so it's like a free mason <laughs> is that is that what yeah. you're getting at oh yes yes uh giuseppe franzoni uh who came over with his brother carlo had especially good family connections in italy he being a nephew of cardinal franzoni and the and son of the president of the academy of fine arts in carrara so, so this um, is not some regular <laughs> Joe who is looking for his, no. his place in life and said, like, this isn't like Wayne Campbell, like I'm going to put on a concert. <laughs> this is someone who's connected to very powerful and influential people in his homeland. Right. So, so getting back to the freaks, you know, call them freaks, the underground, the counterculture, flower children or hippies. They are all loose labels for the youth culture of the, of the sixties. But these are the guys, uh, the people who, who, um, who essentially were the first hippies (laughs) and that's where they came from. Um, but the craziest thing. So now, now what was Carl Franzoni's nickname? Captain uh, <laughs> F word. Captain F word. You you looked. You did some research. I, I know. Know, I know a little bit. I know a little bit. So, so this is interesting to me. This was. I, I don't know if this is the most interesting that thing I came up with. Like, not what, the Dos Equis man, but you know, still right. something. <laughs> exactly. So. Franzoni turned up now and then on the, that early version of America's Got Talent known as the Gong Show. Oh, yes, he the was Gong one, Show. He was one of the worm dancers. <laughs> Anyways, the Gong Show was the brainchild of Chuck Barris, who famously claimed that during the days when he appeared to be working as a mild-mannered game show producer, he was actually on the payroll of the CIA. <laughs> and that while huh. he was ostensibly... I was ostensibly serving as a, a chaperone to the couples who had won trips on the dating game. <laughs> what he was really doing was carrying out assassinations. <laughs> <laughs> so we oh, have man, that, so so this guy <laughs> so this guy from this game show is actually a CIA hitman. Admittedly, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and we'll get into a little more uh, CIA stuff. Yeah, as far yeah, as but, like direct connections and not just. But I, but I wonder why you haven't heard of the Freakers. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yes. If I these mean, are really? if these are the founders of 
Like they coined the term hippie. Like imagine, imagine you're like a, a fan of death metal and you've mm-hmm. never heard of either death or possessed. Exactly. Cause, <laughs> and, and I, and I always say those because there is the debate, like did right. death coin the term death metal because that's their name or did possess or coin the term possessed, death metal yeah. because that's the song on their first album. It doesn't matter. But imagine like, this is where the term like these are the men that coined the term hippie and from what it sounds like they acted as the actual like we are the counterculture this is mm-hmm. our thing that we are doing making this famous yeah like th- like this is going it's to catchy. be the this is going to be the behavior that others are going to follow and we're associated uh, with CIA hitmen <laughs> Um, and yeah, we and come from a long line, and also, I just want to comment <laughs> yeah. on this. We come, they come it, from a it. long line of, uh, of basically aristocracy. Mm-hmm. So, and on a lot of these, these people that buy into this stuff, like they really think that these are like working class heroes, <laughs> like, like going, go, even made, self-made, like, <laughs> like even going back to Karl Marx, Karl Marx, <sighs> essentially the 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 founder of communism was a wealthy aristocrat oh and he's and he oh yeah and he's you know he's fighting for the little guy he's fighting for the working class all all of these all these these movements they're meant to be like i'm i'm relating to the working class the everyman like i'm the i have my pulse or my finger on the pulse of society i know what people are into and they're always backed by media and they're always from money mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. and this is why i'm so adamant like dj you know you said you you'll make 15 million dollars this is why i say you <laughs> won't because yeah, the people that like do research <laughs> yeah the the people that do they're always from like the people that quote unquote make it that they're self-made they're they've not not one of them has been self-made now I, I will add a little like clauses like there. I don't think that Metallica are a, like a CIA operation. Again, I don't think Depeche Mode is a CIA operation. I think there were some genuine grassroots musical acts that mm-hmm. that evolved from something that probably was a CIA operation, and it really resonated with the youth and the music industry, which is ran by the CIA as per, uh, operation mockingbird, <laughs> which we don't need to get into, but you no. can look it up on your own. The CIA admitted to, to running the media and they used these to exploit the youth and they use them to, to use them as fodder for their own means because metal evolved into grunge and that just told the youth like just be a nihilistic heroin addict. And that's, that's where you you get a lot of like really despondent youth people. And then culture dies right after that. And now people have nothing. They're left with nothing. You don't have music. The only music you have is, um, Cardi B and Megan, the stallion (laughs) saying lyrical pornography. Yeah, our news is that hey, Meg the Stallion's on Instagram now. Like that's that's page one news. 
Yep, and this is what the counterculture fought for, and it started yeah. with with Vito and the Freakers. It really did. This yeah. this is the the origin of the the destruction of American culture was Vito and the Freakers. But go on back to back to Vito. Well, so a member of the Palakis family, that's Vito's family, uh, they were asked if Vito was a pedophile. And they responded, probably, but I believe you have to go deeper uh, into the libido and drives of so many rock stars and famous people that, uh, who had an unhealthy relationship with sex and drugs. Any biography of the rockers of that time and probably any time just skirts around the reality that their greatest secret and shame includes the sex they had have they had 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 and have with very young girls and boys roman polanski just got caught i love hearing from people who tell me Vito saved their soul or protected them from danger when they were young and at risk i am sure some became survivors and others fell deeper into the abyss that's uh <laughs> Vito's family talking about him yep that's uh, and, yep the founder and, of the hippie the, movement child molest yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, and, so and not like, just a child molester, but he said, yeah, <laughs> probably, but you know, all of these people are. Yeah. It's not just him. Not, yeah. They like, started to defend him a little bit. <laughs> and then, and you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out. Frank Zappa probably was just, just yeah. judging by oh. the behavior he had with, with moon unit. So yeah, exactly. he, he yeah, probably no was, um, yeah, really Jim Morrison bad. probably was. Yeah, these these if this guy's saying like all these people are just just assume all these Laurel Canyon people were and and that's another thing with free love is like it's not like sex was was illegal or something you had to pay for it's not like you know the the movie Starship Troopers where you have to be <laughs> in the military if if you want to have babies no like you you can have it. Yeah, so uh, this is a, a thing. Uh, um, Vito and a guy named Sue and Carl, they yeah. began going to clubs with a growing group of self-styled freaks who lived semi-communal life and engaged in sex orgies and freeform dancing whenever they could. Yep, wonderful people. <laughs> yeah, so part of that free sex, it's probably not just with children, but other people's spouses. Cause I, yeah. I believe oh. adultery There's was illegal. Swinger. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it is having sex with kids. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's all this is, it's the abolition of order. Mm -hmm. That's what these, these people are all about. And then the, these hippies, they're, they're into it because they're just, this is, you ever see Pinocchio? not the new one not the new the one no no the original one like they're uh, yes. they're all going to donkey island or pleasure island i guess and they're pleasure turning island, into donkeys yeah. turning into donkeys yeah yeah that and that that's a perfect metaphor for the baby boomer generation they all mm. went to pleasure island yeah. and then now here's the thing everybody kind of has their own criticisms of every generation that's not their own, even their own. But right now, almost every generation that's not the baby boomer generation hates the baby boomer generation. When the baby boomers die off, like there will be massive rejoicing. Yeah, it's I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. 
I'm just saying that's what it is. And, and it's a lot of it is because of this. Like there is, there is deep resentment for baby boomers. Like just, 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 just hang around on like image boards, go on Reddit and just see what people say about baby boomers. Like, you know, zoomers have a lot of problems. Gen Xers and millennials have a lot of problems, but the boomers literally took a, a, a perfect country and they just, they, they threw it all away because all they had to do was maintain order, but they fell for this, this con. Yeah. They, they fell for the con of, of just, you know, do drugs, have sex, listen to rock and roll and, uh, whatever you're still going to have a lot of money and when you retire you know you have whatever and they're like it sounds good like they had everything and all they needed to do was say no let's just carry on the traditions of our parents and they could have taught their kids the same lessons because if, if you say like other generations are bad it's like well who raised them like if if baby boomers have any like criticisms of like zoomers or Gen Xers or millennials, well, you could have, you could have decided to raise the Gen Xers a certain way. And, and a lot of the baby boomers that I'm really talking about, the real problems are the liberal, the hippie baby boomers, the ones that were part of it, because (laughs) there were plenty of baby boomers that saw this and said, like, get a haircut, hippie. Like, (laughs) like there were plenty that were, that did not like this. But most of them bought into this far more bought into this than didn't. And that's where that, that that's how we ended up where we are today. Cause this, this is the, the immediate fallout that essentially what happened was a bunch of rich kids were the, the children of military people. And their parents said, you know, you can have the whole world. This is what you have to do. And they said, okay. And their target audience were baby boomer children that had no idea that this was a CIA operation. This was an attack on them. And it succeeded marvelously. And I think this was kind of the beta test for what, what they would repeat in the future. And I stand by that metal in the eighties was its own kind of op because what it did was it normalized satanic imagery. And, hmm. and while it didn't turn the country satanic, but it normalized a, an aversion to Christianity. And it, 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 it turned America from a Christian state basically into a secular state. And then the grunge movement kind of normalized despondency and nihilism. And then after that, there, there's, there's nothing left. There's no more culture. Like the rock that, that, that comes out today, it doesn't appeal on a massive level. Like grunge was a movement. Metal was a movement. Punk was a movement. And Laurel Canyon psychedelic rock was a movement. And they don't need to do anything anymore. Like it's almost just kind of like going through the motions that there's somewhat rock bands, but rock is not hard anymore. And 
they don't have anything that appeals to young people. All it is, is it's TikTok and, and rappers. That's it. There's no more movements. It's, it's everybody is atomized and they just kind of, uh, they just, just kind of go with the flow essentially. And then they gravitate from trend to trend. And there's no, no one has the thing that defines themselves anymore. And that was by design. And this was how the CIA took culture away from you. And this is how they used the culture to steal your country away. And they made sure that the same people would always stay in power. Do you have, do you have more on Vito and the freakers? You want to keep going with them? Um, they are, I mean, so like these, these bands that were opening up in Laurel Canyon getting started that obviously like Zappa, like you didn't care, care to actually see what he was doing on stage. Cause you would go to see the freakers, but then there are also these people, like I mentioned earlier, the young Turks who were a little bit of influential, uh, and again, stars, not the YouTube <laughs> channel, not Cenk Uger, nope. not Ben Mankiewicz, not Anna Kasparian. Although the video, the Young Turks 2016 meltdown, really funny. I, I do recommend. Is it? That. Yeah, I'm unfamiliar, but it's uh, really funny. But go on, the Young Turks. So, so as with the the freaks, the presence on the strip was obviously heavily promoted by the media locals and tourists alike knew uh you know where to go to see the freaks but as an added bonus you could possibly rub shoulders uh with these young turks like uh peter fonda jack nicholson bruce dern dennis hopper and warren Beatty, along with their female counterparts some might be familiar here such as jane fonda nancy sinatra and sharon tate which we will eventually get into Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting when you get into these people because, uh, some of them like Bruce Dern has connections to the skull and bone society, which, a- which also is connected <laughs> to George H W Bush and George oh. W Bush. Yeah. Um, gosh, it, it's, I mean, there's, Another is the son of a naval intelligence officer who was once married to a Rothschild descendant, and third was the slightly deranged son of an OSS officer. Um, so Jane Fonda obviously came from the same family as her brother Peter <laughs> and Henry, um, her father. Henry, yeah, but Jack Nicholson was the strangest one of his backstory. Uh, are you familiar with any of his backstory at all? Uh, I know he was in a, a movie called Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> well, uh, Jack Nicholson was born at some indeterminate location to an un- underage, unwed showgirl. And I the, did not know I, that. The identity of his father remains a mystery. To avoid social stigma, I mean, his his grandparents uh, claimed him as his son. So that's how he became John Joseph Nicholson Jr. He he grew up believing his mother, June Frances Nicholson, to be his older sister. And apparently he learned that (laughs) his mom wasn't his sister 
1974, when he was 37 years old. Could you imagine that? <laughs> your sister is your mom? Uh, Have, let's see. Did, did you ever watch that? Oh, no, you didn't. But never mind. Go ahead. So the, the weirdest thing is that until 1954, Jack Nicholson technically doesn't officially exist because he doesn't have a birth certificate. So what they did in 1954 is they gave him a certificate of a delayed report of birth that was filed on May 24th, 1954. And it says that his grandparents are his biological parents. So yeah. there's no, it appears there is no way to determine who Jack Nicholson is. <laughs> like this stuff is so weird. And, and, and okay. So, so weird. And, and you want to know something about Jack Nicholson? I believe he is the, he's the most nominated actor for the Academy Awards in history. And mm. he, and he has won three Academy Awards. And I do remember a time <laughs> When like Jack Nicholson was everywhere, like Jack Nicholson was kind of like the king of Hollywood. Like, I, okay, do you remember the movie Wolf? Uh, which movie? Wolf. It's just called Wolf. Wolf. Uh, no. So Jack Nicholson played a werewolf. I never saw the movie, but I remember seeing trailers for it all the time. And it was the same year that a few good men came out and just like mm. everywhere you turned, you could not get away from you can't handle the truth. Oh yeah. So still can't I, get away from it. I don't know. I think Jack Nicholson has mostly been swept under the rug. I, I haven't seen anything from him in. Oh, well, he's I like, I can't tell you. He's, Apparently he's like 87 years old, but we really uh, don't know. Well, <laughs> for all we know, he's, he's, he's uh, 67 years old. So I thought it was interesting too, with, with these young Turks and Turkettes that, uh, Henry Fonda scored his first acting gig through Dorothy Dodo Brando, the director of a local theater and the mother of Jack Nicholson's future neighbor, Marlon Brando, a uh, small world, huh? small do you do you want to do you want to do you want to skip around to the to marlon brando connection do you want to do you want to do it <laughs> i think i've asked you for it <laughs> do you know do you know where i'm going with this a little bit there's a lot with brando like well it's, what's it's, the well how is it what do you think i'm going to do to tie it together you go ahead and, and take take the lead if, if you think right. you all know right. where i'm going to go with go marlon brando let me go for it uh Marlon Brando is in a direct line of descent from French Huguenot or Huguenot. I don't know how you say that. Colonist French Louis, Louis Dubois and Catherine Blanchin. Uh, they arrived from New York in New York from Mannheim, Germany, circa 1660, <laughs> and promptly founded New Rochelle. I don't know what that is. Uh, New Rochelle. Yeah, sense of. Dubois include former U.S. Senator Leverett, Salton Saul, former Massachusetts Governor and Council on Foreign Relations, member William Weld, former California First Lady Maria Shriver, and quite likely Presidents Jimmy Carter and Zachary Taylor. So is that where you're going? The the genealogy of Marlon Brando, sort of? I went... <laughs> no, I'm okay. not. I, I got oh, something. Maybe, maybe this might blow your mind. Ooh. So, Courtney Love is no. adamant that Marlon Brando is her grandfather. Why would she think that? 
apparently that's who she believes was the father of her mother. There, there is, she, she's basically says no other man could, could do that. And, uh, like she, she just, as far as she knows, Marlon Brando is actually her grandfather. Now, Courtney Love is the goddaughter of Phil Lesh, the bass player for the Grateful Dead. Mm. And Courtney Love has her own musical connections with obviously married to Kurt Cobain. Uh, there was, uh, she was in a relationship with Billy Corgan. She sang for the band Faith No More. Um, not like she wasn't on albums. She just, they bring her on stage and she, she sang f- for him one night. Um, she was connected to Marilyn Manson and Trent Reznor. So she, she has, she is, uh, what we may call a homie hopper, but <laughs> I think she's almost more of a, a kingmaker. Oh, so, wow. so she is possibly a descendant of Marlon Brando. She's the goddaughter of Phil Lesh. Her, her father was, I believe the manager of the Grateful Dead. Uh, Hank Harrison, he went to college with Phil Lesh and roomed with him in the early sixties and apparently managed the Grateful Dead when they were just called the Warlocks. So it's all the same people. (laughs) Courtney Love was part of the nineties version of Mm -hmm. this, of the Laurel Canyons. It went from LA to Seattle. And apparently, so Courtney Love is descendant of possibly Zachary Taylor. It's all the same Same. people. Crazy. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll get to the, we can get to the Grateful Dead when we get there. But did you want to, you wanted to keep going with, uh, Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando? You want to uh, have, have much more on that? I mean, there's a little interesting, uh, thing too, with, with this whole, with these people with, uh, like Henry Fonda is a direct descendant of jealous Du Fonda and Hester Jans Fonda, Dutch colonists who arrived in New York circa 1650. Mm. Uh, and, <laughs> and so it, it's so weird, dude. Like, so the Fondas had sailed out of Friesland, Netherlands on a ship dubbed the Valkenier, which happened to be co owned by a very wealthy Dutchman by the name of John uh, Jan Baptist Van Ren- Renesselaer. Uh, Essentially, that re- the Rennes Lair um, is the bloodline that would one day produce a guy by the name of David Van Cortland Crosby. <laughs> it's like, so it appears that Peter Fonda kind of owed Crosby this Triumph motorcycle that he gave him back in the 60s because David's 
ancestors uh, were so nice that they gave Peter's ancestors a lift over to the new world. <laughs> like it's the same people, man. And so, they're all entertainers. <laughs> so uh, I just, I want to do one thing here about Crosby's stills, Nash and young. Okay. And then, and then I think th- this will, this will be the, the part. I think, I think this is going to be the bookmark that we we're going to just, put our pin in and we will continue this next week. Well, do you know who created the, uh, their like logo? No, go ahead. Tell me. I'd I'd love to know. Phil Hartman. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) It's the same people and they all end up dead. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I don't mean to to ruin that one, but you, you, I just like, (laughs) Totally yeah, ruined the yeah. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but me, yeah, me, media aristocracy. So yeah, you have these these two things that work in conjunction. You have these people in power, and their children tell you how to how you should feel about the people in power. Mm-hmm. That's it. it. It's all a shell game. <laughs> but Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. This was a thing that that s- stood out to me, and like I said, put a pin in the an MK Ultra. So oh, okay. MK Ultra, one of the code names for it was Oh yeah, Bluebird, right? Bluebird, which is a song by Crosby, Stills and Nash. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh like yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was the Yeah, it was Bluebird was the code name before MK Ultra, right? Did you yes. just say that? Yes. Okay. It's a cryptonym for the CIA mind control program that ran from 51 to 53. Now, MKUltra has long been kind of a... Declassified. Right? Well, yes, but I mean, before then, it, it was just kind of like a like a kooky, you know, oh, you you, you, you believe in MKUltra? Oh, yeah, you, you I bet you One think that, that the world's ran by lizard people. Well, it's, like, <laughs> it's not ran by lizard people, but if it were, it'd be ran by the same lizard people. <laughs> Ask David Crosby. Apparently. Exactly. <laughs> He's some kind of walrus person as far as I can tell. <laughs> walrus per- but, Tusk. <laughs> exactly. But uh <laughs> but it was declassified and basically what it was, it wasn't like some guy holding like a coin and it's like, you know, you are getting sleepy and when I count back from <laughs> ten, you will kill someone <laughs> for me. No, what what MK Ultra essentially is is they subject people to abuse and um, psycho psycho psychedelic drugs, and they use that to to warp people's brains. So essentially, they they beat them and they give them drugs to condition them, and then they get them like when you hear this phrase that that's when you're going to do whatever you mm. do, and. And that, and that's, and they, they basically came out and said, yes, this, this is real. This was a thing that happened, but the way they released it, well, if they released it, why don't people know more about blah, blah, blah. Well, you didn't know about Vito and the freakers. I didn't know about Vito and the freakers. <laughs> yeah. We didn't well, I knew about Vito and the freakers. Yeah. But did you know about MK ultra? Oh, there's so much information out there that the people in power know you're not going to look for because you're going to be looking at your TikTok. You're going to be watching nurses dancing. You're going to be looking at the newest tweet from Elon Musk to, to be outraged at. You're going to be at this, that, or whatever. You're going to be at each other's throats over stupid things. And you're not going to realize that they've long since pulled the rug out from underneath you. 
They, they, they can tell you right now. They can tell you the truth about everything and you won't care because you've been distracted by everything. There, that, that's the purpose of a lot of this media stuff is it's mm-hmm. all a distraction. It confuses like, you. The music was a distraction to make you forget that the point was never the music. The point was the music was the platform that they gave to elevate these rock stars into a status where they had the biggest megaphone and they just told a generation what to think. And this generation was perfectly brainwashed into allowing people in power to steal everything, not from them, but from their children and their children's children. Mm -hmm. And that's the point of all of this is it, they don't need to do anything because they can get you to do it for them because (laughs) they create the personalities that you worship. And as you're worshiping those personalities, you are doing their bidding by pretending that your thoughts are your own independent thoughts. When the reality is Jim Morrison and Frank Zappa and John Phillips, they told you, they told you what to think. And we will get to, to more of this. Yes. Papa now, John. Yeah. Papa John, Pop, not to be confused with the pizza yes. man, a different Papa John. Yes. But, uh, so I, I want to do something differently for this episode. Normally we'll have DJ sign us off and take us home, but we're, we're not going to do that this time because you know, this not is not going uh, home. <laughs> yeah. Th- this, this is just, this is just part one in a multi-part series. So what we're going to do is we're going to put a pin in all of this and we're going to come back because there is a lot more to talk about. There is a, there is a lot more. Like we yeah. touch on David Crosby. There is a lot more to David oh, Crosby. There is more of the mamas and the papas. There's a the lot. grateful dead. There's plenty mm-hmm. of things that we haven't gotten to the monkeys, uh, Harry Nilsson. There is plenty. Oh, yes. There is, there is plenty more for us to get to. And, and th- this is, this is something all the episodes we did before that that was that was child's play. Yes. <laughs> like th- this 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 is you know this is yes yeah this is this is the the world series this is the finals the this is the masters this is it folks <laughs> it's all come to this and this is this, share this with your friends because mm-hmm. the music industry has been a weapon your whole life. Like even going back to Elvis shaking his hips in front of girls, it's all, it's all been orchestrated and it's all been a test. Like, sure. There's been people out there that picked up a guitar. They wanted to, you know, play some songs and, you know, maybe make a living off of it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking the mainstream music industry. I'm talking about stuff that's on the radio, stuff that's on the TV. Now it's stuff that's on, on the TikTok and the Snapchat. If you see it, that it's beamed in front of you, not you found it because there's stuff that you'll find and you're like, oh, this is good. Why has no one heard about it? Because it's not a weapon. It's not a weapon used to destroy you. All these weapons used against you, that's what's pushed. If you've heard of it and you don't like it, they want you to know about it. Who's they? Well, we gave you plenty of names. 
<laughs> we gave you so many names. And they're they're all friends with each other. And don't think for a second, like these politicians that are like this person and this person were yelling at each other. I bet they're related. They're yeah. probably best fr- and they're best friends. <laughs> Their families because, have been intermarrying for a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. Like, like years. <laughs> yeah. Like I believe like California with the exception of, of, uh, um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has been ran by like four families, like in its entire existence. Probably. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, something like that. I, I, I don't, I don't remember, but there it's were, something like that. There were California politicians that were involved or living in Laurel Canyon at this time, yeah. <laughs> which we can get into as well. We, yeah, we will. Like it's they, everybody. It's a safe, we will, yeah. we'll get into it. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> there's plenty, plenty more. Like it's, it's a jigsaw to really like uh, a jigsaw puzzle to really put this together. Like you do have to do your own research. Well, yeah, um, and yeah, I, yeah, and yeah, we didn't make this up. Like the, no. the information is out there. I, yeah, I, like we'll, we'll we'll put a link to um to to the book "Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon" by David McGowan. I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a link to that in, in, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the the show notes. And you again, and also you know, show my record because my my music is more wholesome and it's not a weapon, you know, made to get you to to sacrifice your children in fact it's the opposite <laughs> you, know, you can still available endure by ancestors call that's me but uh so normally dj would sign us off but he's not going to because we're not done not so today. we will see you next week and when dj signs us off that's when you know that we're done so until yeah. then see you next time